Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I'm here in the studio with Mark Elwood, who's a contributing editor and a podcast producer for us. We have on the Skype Nina Han, who writes for Traveler and who's calling in from Chicago. So we may see some audio weirdness, and that's the reason why. And we have Francina Morel, who's our social media editor. Um, and both Nina and Francina are podcast newbies. So welcome, you guys. Thanks for joining Yay! us. Thanks for having us. Hey, good to have new people. hey, thanks for having us. <laughs> it's good to have new people. Um, my name is Brad Rickman, and our topic of the week is going to be spring travel. It is at least distantly spring. Here in New York, it's a little hard to tell. It's probably hard to tell in Chicago, too. But it's coming. It's on the horizon. We are approaching the end of March. April's coming up. We have many things to talk about. But let's, I know there's more to spring travel than spring break. But because it's in the offing, because it's coming up, and because if you haven't really kind of got it planned, you're in a little bit of trouble, but maybe we can help with that. So let's start there. Does anybody know, I'm going to ask this question knowing there may not be an answer, but does anybody know where the tradition of spring break comes from? That's a great question. I have written <laughs> a lot about how Fort Lauderdale was spring break's spiritual home. In the, in the 60s, what built Fort Lauderdale as a resort was the movies touting it as a spring break hotspot. I'm sure that someone listening, and this is what we love, all of our listeners, please, 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 I've learned so much by some of the tweets we've had. Tell us where that came from, if you know, because I don't know. I mean, the easy version is schools take a break. And it happens in both colleges and elementary schools and in middle schools and high schools and the whole thing, at least in the United States. And But there must be some kind of origination before that, some sort of pagan ritual back but in... It, but it's an American... I mean, I think this is... You know, those, those listeners who are not in the States will know this. When I first moved to America a long time ago, I was startled that spring break was a thing. It's not a thing in Britain or in Europe. This sort of compressed... Oh, you know, stir craziness, let's get away for a week or two weeks in spring is a very specifically American thing. It's sort of an American tradition. And I think Americans often don't know that. that but, it's a but what about the Maypole in England? <laughs> Is that is that not we real? Don't take, we don't go away with it. You don't you don't, you don't, you don't travel for the maypole. maypole. Head, pack head your maypole and go to Marbella. No, and also Morris dancing is about as authentically British these days as I am. So I don't think I don't think that you have to worry about Morris dancing being a big thing. The maypole. Okay. I can find you some, though, Brad, if you want a Morris dance next I, time. <laughs> I'm always up for anything. But for real, um, from the perspective of spring break, I don't know that we want to – I mean, we can talk about where people should take their college vacation, but I think that's pretty well set. And we can sort of step aside from that. Is there any reason to talk about Fort Lauderdale aside from that? No, of course no, there's not. No. no. I'm sure it's wonderful. But for those of us who are parents – there is a week that we have our children at home with us, and because we don't like that very much, we try to go somewhere and hopefully have a family vacation. Nina, I know you are somebody who thinks about this a lot. Where are good places to take kids for a family vacation at this time of year? At least this year, what are you thinking about? Well, I always start with, especially for this time of year, especially for this time of year, the idea of not following the crowds. So I'll look at places that are maybe like more of a fringe destination at that time or a place that someone's not thinking about at all for spring break or maybe less likely to. So 
we're going to Charleston because I think that's a place that you typically think of when you think of summer or you think of beach and you're sure that it's definitely going to be super warm and you're going to be swimming in the ocean. And that may not be the case for us, but we will probably be in our bathing suits enjoying water sports and all that kind of stuff and kayaking and stand up paddle boarding. But it will be less crowded and I think it's a more unexpected place to go at this time of year. Yeah, that's brilliant. Have you been to Charleston before? No, this is embarrassingly my first time that I'll be going, but it works out really well for us. Both of my children are nine and 12, and they both happen to be studying the Civil War right now. So we're going to be visiting Fort Sumter, which is where the Civil War started. Mm -hmm. But my husband and I also get to check out all the awesome restaurants. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, so we get to do that. And the kids like that. And my oldest daughter is kind of a daredevil. So we're going to do the ghost walk tour at night, and they take you through some like creepy cemeteries. So. But Nina, let me ask you something. I'm interested. When you think about family travel, I grew up very urban and I traveled a lot with my family. And we were always going to cities. And I think it's interesting to hear you recommend Charleston. Do you like taking sort of family trips to cities rather than places that are like, let's just run free on the beach or a resort? No, actually, you know what? I personally prefer more of the active outdoor adventure. But I think I like cities at those unexpected times when they're not packed. I mean, I come from Chicago, so I love cities and I love culture. So maybe I'm kind of split right in the middle between liking both. But just to throw that off a little more with Charleston, we're going to spend a couple days at the tail end at Kiowa Island. Mm -hmm. So we'll get a little bit of both. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, I think you're right. Places like Charleston, where you can get a little bit of outdoors and where you can get a little bit of nature, but you can also have a really great urban experience can make everybody happy. Right. Which is something... And there really isn't like anything like the South in the springtime. There's, I, yeah. I know there are many songs written about it, but it's true. Like, I think today they had like hit a high of 81 degrees. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about that part of the country is that, and Charleston is peculiar in the sense that like the urban adventure, the food is really, really good. The hotels are really, really good. And the resorts like Kiwa are really, are really nice I mean, look, places. Charleston, there's a reason that Charleston wins best small city every in year. our Reader's Choice Awards every year. Yeah. I feel like it just has to retire a bit like a bit like a sort of, it should be term limited because Charleston just, it, it's not a fair contest. It's the Michael Jordan of small cities, right? <laughs> totally. Nobody will get a chance until they retire, but they're not going anywhere. But no, but I mean, the weather is never bad. It's the, the temperatures never get too low. So even if you go in the off season like that, you know, you're not going to have to be worrying about temperature changes too much or bringing, you know, ridiculous clothing, big changes of clothing. Uh, right. I, I was going to say, and for that reason, I think one of the really unheralded spring trips is Arizona. I love, I hate the outdoors. Yes. I'm a, so this, I'm allergic to the outdoors. I don't like greenery. I don't like anywhere. I can't get a taxi. But I do love the desert. And I think there's something magical about the desert, but also spring training in Tempe you get this great baseball overlay, but you've also got beautiful weather that isn't too hot. Do you agree with me, Nina? Oh, yes. I love it there. I mean, especially being from Chicago, we have Cubs spring training there at the new Cubs park. There's a new hotel that opened there. But one of the coolest parts of of Phoenix and Mesa was the culture too, like the museum. uh, Is it the Museum of Musical Instruments? Have Mm -hmm. you been there? That place is fantastic. It's so cool for all ages. Another great sort of off-season thing to do is to get to that part of the country which can be too hot to visit in the summer months 
and go there in the off season, you can see all of the great things that are there. I mean, Santa Fe is great like that. Parts of California can be great like that. The more deserty parts of California, Palm Springs could mm-hmm. be is a good time of year to go to places like that. It's basically the places that in the summer, you know, I don't do well in heat because I grew up in London and, you know, it just rains all the time. So if it gets too hot, my body thermometer explodes. So anywhere <laughs> I would be afraid of in the summer is great in the spring. So if you're like me and you're sort of, you prefer rain and cold, it is perfect for Palm Springs, for Arizona. The spring is when you get that. And it's also bursting. So I know it's so cliche, yeah. but it's just lots of flowers and gorgeous stuff. Yeah. Yeah, especially in those parts of the... And, and sometimes you're not going to get that in the summer because it's just too hot, too dry. Um, but what if you are looking for a beach vacation? Where is a good place to go? Francina? Okay. Um, <laughs> so I just got back from Cuba. And, uh, oh, no. Yes. Did you really? And you too. Yes. And it was a really great experience. I think that ultimately I thought it was just going to be a beach vacation, but it's def- it definitely... Where'd you go? I went to Havana, yep. and then I went to Vinales. Okay. And we went to this beach called Santa Maria, mm-hmm. like um, like near Varadero area, mm-hmm. but like it was, it was a really nice beach. You could just basically walk into it. And Cuba was really great. Yeah. I think it, it would be a great experience for people for spring break. How much of it... You obviously, you speak Spanish. Yeah. Did that make a big... T- because I don't speak Spanish. And one of the things that holds me back from Cuba, because we've talked about Cuba a few times mm-hmm. on Travelog, is I would really want to get under the skin of it and communicate with people. How important was your Spanish to really making the most of it? Oh, my God. I went with 10 other people, and it was a group of us. And I think they were like, oh, my God, we are so happy you're here. We wouldn't know how to make it without you. And I just didn't realize <laughs> how hard it would be to get around in Cuba if you don't know Spanish unless you have a guide and I felt like I was the guide at that point. Um, did they pay you? Did your friends pay you? They, they bought you dinner? They, they didn't they pay me. They bought you mojitos. Yeah, they did buy me lots of drinks. <laughs> no, I will totally vouch for that. I have heard people say like, oh, you can sort of get by, you can get around. It's not true. It's, you know, if you're there and you really want to get things done and you want to talk to people and you want to make things happen for yourself, you need to speak a little bit of Spanish. And the other thing is that they speak um, the Spanish that they speak. We were talking about this, Francina, like okay. it's a localized version of Spanish. Even if you have sort of classical Spanish from Spain, it can be difficult to understand. My wife speaks Spanish, but Spanish from Spain because she grew up in Italy and studied Spanish in Spain. Yeah. And so even she was having a little bit of trouble. There are just certain elocutions that are, which is perfectly kind of normal for yeah. for that part of the world. I think for me, though, the way that I speak Spanish is very similar to Cubans because they kept telling me that I was like a campesina, which uh-huh. is kind of like from... A farmer. Yeah, like yeah. a farmer. I mean, usually... But that was a good thing. They they weren't insulting you by saying that, were they? they, they I, thought I, it don't was... know if, I don't know if I should take it as an insult. <laughs> I speak Italian, not Spanish. So I have a pause with someone like Cuba because in Spain, I can get by with my Italian because I can sort of understand Spanish Spanish, but Cuban Spanish is hard for me to deduce. But I was just in Bogota and I was fascinated by Bogota as a spring destination because its weather is very stable year-round. You'll get rain and sun every day. It's four seasons in one day. You can go the whole time. And what was lovely for me, and I would encourage people, is, sure, we've heard of Cartagena, because Cartagena is charming and beautiful and picture postcard pretty. It's Instagram ready. Bogota is sexy and exciting, and the English penetration was astonishing. I don't mean you can sit down and have a long conversation about politics or religion with people, but the ability to kind of find your way around, make sure you're in the right place. I would say Colombia, which is 
also very reachable. There's some great connections on Avianca from all over the country. If you want a little bit of exoticism in the spring, Colombia, Bogota especially, has a very stable climate. And it is Caribbean. I mean, that's the thing that people forget, right? Yeah. Well, is. Cartagena is clear. Colombia has everything. Yeah. Bogota is very high. It's sort of Denver it's, meets right. Cartagena. Sure. I would send people to Bogota who, like me, don't speak Spanish yeah. because I don't think you feel like you're losing in the same way that I'd worry I would in Cuba. I mean, yes, you may feel a little bit like alienated when you get to Cuba because you don't know Spanish, but I feel like it doesn't take away from the experience ultimately. I think Cuba is definitely, you know, in a very transitional phase at the moment. And I feel that there's so much to explore. And it's great to go there when it, it's all about to happen. It's almost like the tip of the iceberg before everything just yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think we've said this a thousand times here, but mm -hmm. having been there and also having been there with a kid, which I think is... um something that maybe people would be more intimidated about. And so we took our eight-year-old. And I would say both of these things are totally true and totally possible right now, which is that Cuba is definitely in the midst of transition. You can already see it happening in Havana in particular and in the old part, in old Havana in particular. You can really see the race between infrastructure support of tourism and actual tourism happening. So there are cruise ships coming in every day, people pouring off the cruise ships, flocking downtown, which is absolutely gorgeous and also falling apart. Both things are true. The architecture is unbelievable. Some of the best mid-century and art deco architecture I've ever seen in my life outside of, you know, Los Angeles and Miami. But it's falling apart, and you've got just hundreds of people every day kind of flooding into that and trying to experience that, and it's definitely creating tensions. You can see people building everywhere. You can see people trying to reinforce things and sort of dig up the streets and, and make way for it. So there's this race between the money coming from the tourism and supporting all of this and the building that takes place, and I think it's going to take several years before those things converge, and I don't think the tourism's going to stop. But I'd be curious, Brad, you talk about going to Cuba with your son. Nina, would you go to Cuba with your your two children and do you involve your children in planning for trips is that part of sort of a spring trip how you talked about Fort Sumter how much input did they get in planning the trip great question hmm I'm kind of bossy pants about where we go I'll be honest about it <laughs> but I use very crafty marketing skills to kind of sell them on the ideas but my kids are pretty adventurous and that's something when we travel, my husband and I decided this a long time ago that we made a rule that everyone has to try something new every day on a trip, whatever it oh, may wow. be. That's nice. applause, really, applause. That's a great yeah, that's, idea. That's a that's really a great great. We should all live by that, yeah. whether we're nine yeah. or 19 or 90. Yeah. yeah. Right. Gotta it's do sort it. of like growing that spirit of adventurism in them. But it started off with like my son trying sushi for the first time, and it, granted, it was at Epcot. But he has <laughs> it still counts. since then has become such a crazy little foodie. Like they outdo me. We went to the Asian night market in Vancouver, and there were things I wouldn't dare to try that they were going. They were superseding me. Like they just were off and running. And I said, my work is done here. Yeah, you feel so validated I, as a parent. Yes. My children, I think because of that, they are pretty gung-ho to try new things, which is really great. I feel very fortunate that they're open to that. And I would take, I, I hadn't thought about taking my children to Cuba, but I would. I think they would find it really interesting. They really enjoy meeting other people and seeing different cultures. So that would be a lot of fun for them. One of the things that is true of there, if you do do that, you can find Airbnbs 
that are like houses and in Cuba that typically means at least in our experience when we were doing the research and when we were actually staying they do have more space which is great for kids so mm, ours, ours yeah. had a little lawn and um, it, was, it was it was further outside of the center so it was a little harder to get around but there was more space there was a lawn there was a porch you also get staff which is a weird thing and sounds, no, it's amazing. Nobody, what are you talking about? That's yeah. It sounds no, like, it was really like, great. Like, I got staff, and it was like the best thing. Yeah, I'm not she-she, so I don't I mean I'm a mature traveler at this point, so I like my amenities. But this was not unexpected, and the thing is, it's great because you're still paying way below what you would expect to pay in a lot of other markets. So you're still mm. you're still feeling like you're getting a bargain, but you're getting a really great space. We got this really nice old villa that was very well maintained. It was old, fine, but it was also kind of beautiful in, in that way. And it had a security guard, which seemed completely unnecessary. Like the place <laughs> we were in was completely safe, seemed fine. But you know what? Somebody was getting a job. And so you sort right, of feel yeah. like you're putting money into the economy and there were three or four or five people in rotating shifts who actually had jobs out of that and it felt like it was a good use of money. See, it's interesting yeah. you talk about this, Brad. I think if you're lucky enough to be able to take a couple of trips a year, so there's sort of a spring trip and a summer trip, I feel like spring is when you experiment and you do something a little yes. adventurous. And summer is when you're like, I've got to have a slam dunk. I want to go to Disney World. I want to go to like a resort that I can chill out in. That it's almost like right now is when you take a risk and think, oh, I've never been to Charleston before. I should uh -huh. go now because it's a little, what do you guys think? Yeah, I definitely think that. Okay, well, have you heard anything about Minneapolis? I've never been and I'm thinking about it and I've always connected there, but I think that this is what I would try to check out. So I love Minneapolis. The reason I would always encourage you, and I'm sure Nina has perspective on this, you know, being in the Midwest. Minneapolis sure. is like a smaller Chicago, but a very cultured Chicago. The art scene there and the culture scene there is enormous. A friend of mine runs a museum there called the Walker Center, and that's reopening in the fall with a big expansion. And what I love about Minneapolis is they go bonkers in the summer because the weather is so bleak in the winter. If you go to Minneapolis, uh -huh early April, the cabin fever is the best possible kind because they are out on the sidewalks nice. having coffee because they're like, they're going to eke every moment of al fresco life. So, oh, I mean, Minneapolis, amazing. You loved it? Okay, good. Uh -huh. I think I'm, I'm going to plan this. In a I'll help you plan that one. Yes? Yes. Thanks. <laughs> check up on you. Nina, what do you think? Any other Midwestern destinations like Minneapolis that you would recommend? You know, I really like Indy. I think oh, Indy, yeah. Indianapolis has some really cool this. things going on. I've heard this for the last year that I this is not. the up-and-coming place to go, especially really? for food. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The food is great. There's a place called Bluebeard, which is named for one of the Kurt Vonnegut books. And there's another place that's been getting a ton of press, Milk Tooth. Yeah. And they're both – the food is exceptional. The atmosphere is really cool. But even going now, like, they have that eight-mile cultural bike trail. And it's like a loop through the downtown. It goes in a big circle. And it has sort of offshoots down these cool little areas like Fletcher and uh, Mass Avenue. So you're popping into these different cultural districts. But you also have like memorials and malls. And then you have the white, I think it's the White Forest State Park or something. I'm not getting the name quite right. But um, you can rent paddle boats there. And then they have a canal with these murals on them. And you're seeing all of this on a bike ride. 
They even have like wild street crossing signs. It's completely taken care of and it's manicured and kept up all year round. I think we and have they to, have, I was going to say, Nina, I love that you're also enthusiastic as a Midwestern local. I'm fascinated by any Indianapolis-based listeners we have. Please share with us because it has come up on Travelogue several times. And I feel like Indianapolis is this city that is waiting for its moment I have not, in the sun. I have not heard of a lot of people yeah. recommending Indianapolis. No, Paul Brady it said it was the most exciting food city in the United States really? after he went there. Just because, yeah. I mean, again, unexpected, like I think unexpectedly exciting. Mm-hmm. But just to complete the thought on Minneapolis and this part of the country, Paisley Park is op- is now right. open as a museum, oh, so right. I think that's an important. We're talking factor. about culture, yeah. Who cares about anything? I know. But paying homage <laughs> now, yeah. I feel like yes. I should be yes. like purple yeah. rain, purple <laughs> rain. We'll dub it Do in. It. Yeah. We'll, we'll let Brett dub it in. But I love your idea, Mark, of sort of taking this time of year to do something off the expected path and the Midwest. Who thinks of going to Minneapolis at this time of year? And yet it's probably great. And also this time of year, if you're thinking about you having a big summer vacation, maybe you're not having a week long spring break, but you take a few days away. And if you're lucky enough to have the budget to do both of those, you're taking a smaller trip most destinations were in shoulder season, which I'm sure everyone knows is, mm-hmm. is when you, you know prices are a little more favorable. And so it's the time to sort of take that trip to that place you've always meant to go but never quite prioritized. Or that place that you're not sure whether you're going to love, but it, everywhere's interesting once, right? That's yeah. the rule. Low, yeah, yeah. Lower risk, lower time commitment. To piggyback on that idea of like taking a risk and and going someplace that's a little more unexpected, I think being flexible and not caring so much about weather is something for me at this time of year too, right? Like in the summer, I want, if I'm going for a longer period of time, I want things to kind of go as I'm imagining they will in my mind. But one of my destinations that I love is Scotland. And one of the best vacations I ever had was Scotland in February. And I was totally terrified before I went that we were just going to be in blizzards. And we were. But we had an amazing time. <laughs> Where did you go, Nina? <laughs> My mother's Scottish, so I sort of pretend to be fake Scottish. Where in Scotland did you go in, in, we, in we early spring? We went to spring? Edinburgh. And we went and we went to the castle. We and we had a ti- the tiniest car that was ever made in Europe was the car that we had with the tiniest <laughs> wheels. And we drove through a blizzard um, from Fife. Mm-hmm. to Monocle Moor. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And it was a blizzard. <laughs> and I thought I was going to die. I really, I was hanging on to, I, I noticed a shiny black thing right to the left of the car. And it was my husband's first time driving on the right side. Oh, that's oh. terrible. And um, <laughs> I said, I think that that's a body of water next to us. <laughs> shiny shiny black thing. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but, but but you did. We arrived. I was right. going to say it you did love adventure. it, right? I'm just because yeah. oh, I, I have a great. It. The thing is, what I would encourage people to think about: Skyscanner, for example, has a great feature yes. where you can put in your origin airport and your date, and then say everywhere, and you can look at what the prices are on flights, so that it is that time to sort of spin the wheel and think. You play sort of Wheel of Fortune for travel, where you're like, I've wanted to go to Scotland. Wow, that's crazy. The direct flights to Edinburgh are kind of cheaper than I would have expected. You know, it's spring. That's when you do the, I'll do that crazy thing kind of trip. And exactly, if you're not worried about a week when you need gray weather just to decompress, and you're like, I want to have an adventure, pack a Mm -hmm. beautiful cashmere sweater, Scottish cashmere, and then go and go and explore. It's a great way. So I would encourage people to remember Skyscanner, one of our favorite search engines. If you're looking at budgets and trying to think about destinations, if we've inspired you to take that trip, 
use Skyscanner to give you a sense of like, wow, there are some great deals to X and build out from there. I would also say there are places like Scotland, like Ireland, like parts of Northern Europe where I'm not sure I want to go there in the height of summer. Yeah. Not not right. only for light reasons, but that doesn't seem like in character of the place. I feel like if you were to go in Scotland in February or in the fall or in the early spring, yes. I feel like that's more true to the character of the place and you're really seeing it the way that it kind of is meant to be or at its best in a certain kind of way. And there are lots of places like that around the world. There were summer... And the big travel season isn't really where they're at their best. Isn't really where they're. Well, we did a. It's, we did a. Francina and I. I hope you all saw our Facebook Live this yeah. month about where you should go in March. And one of the places we recommended was Copenhagen. Yes, it was. Mm. And we have another Facebook Live where you're walking around <laughs> showing us Copenhagen. Thank you, Francina. So I talk about Copenhagen. No, but for example, the reason I would suggest Copenhagen, for example, in the spring, is yes, you're going to get crisp weather, but it's not a beach destination anyway. It is not busy. Copenhagen in the summer can be thronged with people because it's so beautiful. Yeah. You can walk around. I was there in February. Sure, there was snow, but it was crisp. And I kind of loved that little hugger feeling, the Danish thing of like being home mm -hmm. and cozy. Copenhagen has a phenomenal food scene. Noma at the moment is on pause while it reopens its new site. But that incredible world's best restaurant has produced offshoots in all the kitchens there. And again, a bit like Scotland, it's a place that knows how to cope with bad weather. Therefore, okay. if you go and the weather is bad, the city is ready configured. It's not like you're in Sydney and it rains and everyone goes, why is it raining? You're in Denmark and if you have a, a rough day, you spend the day in all the stores. You go to George Jensen's headquarters. You spend a really long lunch at one of the beautiful restaurants. So again, Scandinavian Northern Europe, long haul wise, great option. I'm going to recommend um, Prague because I studied abroad there, but I actually lived there during the springtime and it was actually the best time to be there. It gets very crowded in the center during the uh -huh. summer and I think people are more worried about pickpocketing, but I felt like I got the real Prague experience living there when it was just not so crowded and not so many people were heading there. So I think Prague and the Czech Republic was really great. And that was I was also really there great. in March too and I thought that it was exactly what you're saying yeah. like it was there was space yeah i mean the culture the aesthetic the food and the drink have kind of organized themselves around this time of year right if in, i mean this is the thing if in doubt there are places in the world that have very dependable climates say like Arizona, for example. And then there are places that have less dependable climates, like the British Isles. If you're taking a trip off-season, one of the clever ways is to go somewhere that knows how to cope. Prague has a tough winter. Yeah. So if there's a bad day, it's not like there isn't room inside the restaurants. They're not mm -hmm. just terrace cafes. Yeah. So you kind of hedge your bets. And if you strike gold and have a beautiful spring day, you feel like it's your own private city. And mm -hmm. what yeah. more amazing experience is there than that? Yeah. And Definitely. let's face it, you're not going for sort of light seafood summer fare, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. th this is what, like, lean into it, you know, lean yeah. into it. And the food is all, they're sort of heavy, warm winter food is going to be terrific, you yeah. know? So it's an opportunity to see these kind of places. And to Nina's point, you know, you're kind of going against the grain by going to a place like that at yeah. that time of year instead of going to the beach. But who I, I can't recall who was saying it. It's so true that none of those, what do they call them, snooks? I forgot what they're called in Scotland, where you go in and it's sort of like their little waiting area as you wait to be sat in a restaurant. 
And it's not like a lobby, but anyway, you go and there's these cozy little fires and you're having your whiskey and all of those things are so much better when it's freezing outside, right? Exa like, and, and let's it's remember, exactly as it should be. As I just said, if it's too hot, I wilt. But if it's too cold, I feel like I want to snuggle up and yeah. you wear cute yes. knitwear and you sort of have, and again, in Scotland, which, and let's be fair, I'm sure we have listeners in Scotland, Scotland can be beautiful. The Outer Hebrides is very warm in the summer. It has a huge Gulf Stream. But if you do hit a bout of cold weather in April, isn't that kind of what you're hoping for? Yes. You want totally. to be in a gorgeous sweater, snuggled up in a beautiful yep. old Scottish pub, yeah. sipping whiskey, maybe a little bit too much whiskey to keep you warm. I want to be the and king it. of the north. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but Nina, let me ask well, you. We covered really, just real quick, we wrote a post on Condé Nast about the 14 family vacations to take in 2017, and we were suggesting a road trip through Scotland. Um, just to point that out in case people wanted more of a little itinerary, we have one on there. I'm convinced. Um, but but for families, if you guys know, do you know about the Harry Potter stuff that's going on there? That was always going on with J.K. Rowling. But you can go to that Elephant House Cafe where she wrote Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone 20 years ago and go to the cemetery just across the street where you see an actual tomb of Tom Riddle. Oh, wow. Which really? Is one of the I characters. did not know that. Yes. That's amazing. Yes, right? And then you book at the Balmoral you book the J.K. Rowling suite because she signed the wall of the room when she completed the Deathly Hallows. Oh, wow. wow. That, but also, for... if you drink whiskey, parents can go downstairs and their whiskey room, <laughs> I think, has the greatest collection. I've been in this room. It's That's fantastic. That's a win, -win. But, but right. my, my question, Nina, is I always think, a friend of mine said to me recently who just gone to Edinburgh, a New Yorker, said, when you go to Edinburgh, you think, oh, I realized what Hogwarts was inspired by because the old mm -hmm. town in Edinburgh, we have a great Facebook live walk that I did a few months ago there. You half close your eyes and you think, oh, I can see Hermione round the corner. I mean, it is. For you've sure. got kids. Did your kids find it inspiring that way? I actually wasn't there with my children. <gasps> I went with my. You left the kids. No. <laughs> No, right. Yes, of course. But we. You're this terrible is something parent. Like what are you going to do to make it up to them? Tell, oh, no, no, no. There's so many things on here, though. We did this. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it is like going to these castles, the castle in Edinburgh. Do you remember the crown jewels there? They're the most fantastic oh. crown jewels I've ever seen. And that would be stuff for children. Like there's so many things along the way. Come on. You guys know that in Scotland. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no question. I mean, I got the same reaction. We're actually doing spring break in Tokyo, and I got the same reaction out of my kid by playing into the Ninjago fantasies mm -hmm. that he has. <laughs> He's lined up to see all kinds of, you know, medieval uh, in Kyoto in particular. But again, I, I, I do think it would be useful if we could back up just a second and acknowledge mm -hmm. that in the Northeast in particular, or any part of the northern United States, winter is hard. Mm -hmm. And... It is legitimate for people to say, I want to get away from the cold weather. I want to see some sunshine. So where are places that people can go where they might stand a better chance of staying away from the crowds? If I want warm weather, you know, where can I go? We've talked about Cuba. That's fine. Cuba actually is great for that. The weather's terrific. Where else? Uh, I would... Go on, Nina. You could tell me about children. Where would you go with the kids? I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for this one. Southwestern Nicaragua. Yes. Is, 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 yes. is one of my favorite places. I, yes. See? Yes. Yes. Okay. No, the reason why I'm saying this is because actually Nicaragua is one of my, like, the places that I've been trying to go to, and specifically in April. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I may not go on this trip yet, but it was like one of my go to places. And I really want to know what you would think about Nicaragua. 
Oh, it's, it's from a family perspective. We all kind of default to Costa Rica, which is great because it's same time zone. It's not terribly difficult to get there, but Nicaragua is almost easier, slightly easier. Um, and I think from Miami, it's just over a two hour flight. And from Houston, it's just over a three hour flight. So it's very easy to get there and it's not a wild time change for kids. But once you're there, it's so exotic feeling. You feel like you're so far away, but yet it's safe. It's kind of, I think people have a lot of, um, they, they don't really know what to expect. So it's a hard place to anticipate, but you have Granada, this old colonial city. I think it's the oldest colonial city on the continent. And they have um, a chocolate museum, which is so much fun. You go in and you start with the cacao bean oh and you make it all the way through and you walk out with your own chocolate bar and um, that you've made heavier. from start to finish. <laughs> yes. But then there's also, you can hike a cloud forest on Mambacho Volcano. You can do zip lining like you would in Costa Rica. My See, favorite thing, though, is the Masaya Volcano Crater has one of only six lava lakes in the world. Does it look and like a lava? Does it look like a cartoon? To me, that makes me think of, you know, like a special effect. Is the lava bubbling? You can hear it. It feels like an ocean. Oh, it's wow. like roaring. It only, I think the park only opened within the last six months or so. And they do strange things like they may want your car parked a certain way in case God forbid. So they have people kind of very carefully monitoring. So there's sort of the thrill of like seeing a volcano and you peer over this edge and there's soot in the air. You will have that dust and that grit on your skin and you smell it. But it is amazing to just look down and see this bright neon red and hear it bubbling and the best time is as the sun is setting when you go at night and those colors are really just off the charts. It's oh really God. cool. I feel like for kids between yeah. 8 and 12, that's like oh. the most amazing thing ever. It's yeah. like stepping yeah. into a movie. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm -hmm. But Nina, I think you raised a very good point. I think this is something about family travel. When, when I've traveled with kids, I don't have kids of my own, but I've traveled plenty with other people's children. I think jet lag is a very good thing to think about yeah, and mm -hmm. to be conscious of how many time zones do you think are bearable before you really have to factor in like, oh, this is going to be a couple of days of real adjustment. Is it a couple? What would you recommend? I mean, generally speaking, I would say not more than four. It depends on the age, too. You know, as, four time as zones kids get or older. Four, four time zones yeah. or four hours? Four time zones, I think I could handle maybe. You know, if you were going from like, let's say you're traveling from Chicago or New York to Hawaii. What is that? Is that five or so from here? It's easier for um, you I, than for us, yeah. Yeah, so it's bearable. But again, I go back to that. When they're younger, I wouldn't want to do too far away, which is why if you have younger children, you're in the same time zone going south and you have these exotic places to choose from. And I think you make a great point. I think Central America often gets overlooked because Mexico occupies that kind of cultural space and we think Mexico, Mexico or Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And there are these very distinct and diverse cultures. And in the spring, you're getting the best of both worlds. You are getting a, a completely right. alien foreign culture, this wonderful unfamiliarness. But it's not that far. I mean, the no. connections, especially not from the coasts of the US, but central from Texas or from you guys in Illinois, that is mm -hmm. a very straightforward flight. And you're getting this bonus of it's kind of convenient and then crazy foreign yes and they have two I mean, do you guys know about the resorts they have mccool which is on the beach which is amazing and beautiful 40 i think it's 38 rooms and 47 pools wow um, what? The, what? The, what more yes. pools and rooms 
So, yes, yes. So you amazing. can have your morning pool and your afternoon pool? It's, it's in, yes, for sure. Ooh. And they have like each of the spa temples. So there are six spa temples has <laughs> pools. But the kids club was amazing. Right now at the end of spring, they have the nesting sea turtles that they're releasing. And they have a special beach where you go at sunset. I mean, this place is like so unexpected for Nicaragua. I sure didn't expect it. And you can take surf lessons. The water is beautiful. It 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 almost feels like a... Tofino, if you've ever been there, meets San Diego, meets Central America. It's just so beautiful. And then Nacupe is opened inside of the, it's, it's more inland. And that's, I think they only have like 10 villa suites, but it's like a safari experience set inside of, you know, a tropical forest. So you have howler monkeys and you ride these crazy ATVs around and they have like archery and horseback riding and skeet shooting. And it's, the food is great. I mean, I, you, so you, know, you just planned my, you just plan my spring just break. Notes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, and I love that because I think people always think about that as being something you do in Africa, but we forget that there are rainforests right yep. in Central and South America that provide every bit as much flora and fauna safari moment. That sort of safari moment is not something mm-hmm. we associate with that. So it's great to call that out. That's I, terrific. I think it's and also... For families- Sorry, go ahead. I think it's also good to note, like, the exchange rate. I think it's actually pretty affordable to be in Nicaragua, right? Yes, it is. I saw that it was really good time to go, especially because it doesn't get as crowded, but it also is It's kind of affordable. Yes, yes. It was everything. I mean, even the room, which I don't have handy, but what you would pay at McCool, you would easily spend two grand a night in California, and I think it's probably a third of that price there in Nicaragua. Nina, how the, much how much do we need Francina with us as our Spanish speaking guide if we make Nicaragua our spring trip? <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes it was interesting like I found it to be a lot like Costa Rica and that people really are excited to practice their English. So I don't know that you need to speak Spanish and I don't. So I I was able to get through. I kept wanting to practice and they kept wanting to practice. So oh, That's great. You yeah, don't need it me. Was, <laughs> We'll bring but you another with us. thing we'll, about we'll for Nicaragua, which I would want to share for families that have smaller children and are thinking, eh, I don't know, maybe that's too far away. Is it too exotic, too difficult? They have this amazing kids club there that when I walked into it, it looked like its own resort. It had a pool and a beautiful room, and they do like pinata parties and beach campouts under the stars. I mean, they it's so if you have younger children and you're feeling like you want to do something a little farther away, I think that is a great setup. Not that I would ever do this, ever, <laughs> but could I park my eight-year-old there and go have an interesting day of grown-up things? Oh, for sure. You for sure. And I think your eight-year-old so, might be like, you're exactly. back already? Yes. He might be like, you're here? I think looking at reliable weather in the spring, if you think, well, I can do one trip, if you're not lucky enough to have the budget, do two. And, but you, the spring is a smart time to get better value. This is what we're really hammering home. And, for example, somewhere like Nicaragua, you're going to get more dependable weather for that one week a year you can really uh-huh. get away. And, you know, I would encourage everyone, maybe it's a bit late to plan for 2017, but for 2018, don't assume that your great trip has to be the summer. If you can do one trip a year, spring is a really kind of clever way of getting the most of both worlds if you work the system well. Mm-hmm. So is there anywhere that you guys covered in your March recommendations that we haven't touched on? Anything that's going to surprise we people? We have Guadalajara also, right? And yeah, 
Well, you have to talk. I think you know this very well. We have Guadalajara. And it's this is really something that Francine and I work on together a lot. So yes. we're looking at each other trying to say, no, you say. No. You talk. You, you talk. talk. Um, and uh, Guadalajara is fascinating because it has average temperatures in the 80s in March. And wow. there are three uh, There are three sort of events. Uh, there's a film festival, a food festival, and this year there's baseball. Uh, a baseball tournament pre one of the many world baseball things. So you've got a lot of activities. What's also great is that Volaris, which is one of the low-cost carriers from Mexico, has Mm -hmm. introduced a slew of new flights to the US. So if you want to go to Guadalajara, it's not only a great time, but it's very convenient. And I know, I'm sure, Nina, you would say this. If you've got kids... Connecting on flights is a pain if it's just totally. grown ups, but connecting on flights with kids is is exponentially more painful. Got it. Agreed. Completely yes. agreed. Can I take my laptop? Topical this week. At the moment, yes, you can. And also, why would you want to take your laptop on your family trip? <laughs> Good question. And also, why would you want to take your laptop? On I your have children. Trip? iPads are essential to parenting. Yes. That was my first thought when I was hearing about that. Like, ooh, that would be hard for the parents who are counting on oh. those pads, and those tablets to keep their kids entertained. Yeah, we can't hit them over the head yet. Um, <laughs> not in America, anyway. <laughs> I don't know if this is unexpected, but like, it, I think it bears mentioning, like, with all of the snow that has been happening out west, that people, if they're thinking at all and they haven't done a ski trip and they want to do one, this is, I would say, one of like the best years to do a spring ski trip. Mm-hmm. That's really where, amazing. Where should we be? I think that's great, and I love that. Um, where should we be going? Yeah. Well, I just got back from Park City, and I thought that was fantastic. They've extended their opening, both of their main resorts there. They have a ton, but the ones right close to the town, Deer Valley and Park City, are open through mid-April. I think it's April 16th. When I was just there last weekend, I've never skied without gloves on or like a face mask or, and I had no gloves on and I was in one layer and it was amazing. How was the snow and they have, though? Was the snow like? It is, no, I mean, it, it's still, it is, it's a little bit slushier than what you're used to. It's not powder for sure, Got but it. they have so much of it that they're dealing with that you're not, you're not wanting. You have plenty of snow. There were so many runs open. Plus what I love about Park City is that this is a great time to stay in the downtown. So Washington Schoolhouse is a great place that feels like a house and a hotel. It's like a little, I think they have 12 rooms. It's very small and they take really good care of you, but you're right downtown. And if God forbid the weather was too warm or rainy or whatever, you have options in town. The Park City Museum is so cute. It's built on a former jail and you go down into it and explore. They have those, have you guys done those escape rooms anywhere? Mm-hmm. Yes. They have, so they have an yes. escape room that's a mining, you didn't like it? Did uh, you like it? Did you like it? I'm a total control freak and I just want to do it on my own and leave me alone and I'll let you know when I'm done. But that probably says more about me than anyone else. I think yes, it's but a that's, good bonding experience. Right, I mean for families like to work together because you really do have to work together mm-hmm. and it had a little like mining town theme. I don't know, I loved it. But there's the Utah Olympic Park and there's, a great new restaurant that just opened called Firewood where everything you eat is cooked over a burning fire. Like it's not cooked over a gas. They have no gas line. So everything is cooked over a wood burning fire. That should be a rule in every restaurant. Right. How were the crowds? Not bad at all. I mean, there were people out and you feel that energy. There were people walking in the town. There were people skiing. There was a, I had plenty of runs where I was 
was just my family and I. And then there were runs when there were more people. It was it reminded me of any other ski day, but maybe a little bit lighter. And I also need a little preview of when we're talking about where to travel in April. I've just been researching the story in the Facebook Live that Francine and I will be working on together. Uh, 31st of March, please tune in and join us. And Mammoth has had incredible snow this winter, which is great for the drought in California. But again, it's going to prolong. Mammoth always has a long ski season because it's so Mm -hmm. high up. But this year, you're going to be able to ski. I don't know. It's going to be August and you'll be skiing there. Who knows? I think if they say July 4th, right? I mean, that's their plan right now. That's insane. That's insane. For (laughs) East Coasters who have no idea what Western U.S. skiing is like, this is the perfect opportunity to figure that out because if they have a good year, you can ski in June. Yeah. <laughs> Which wow. feels right. inappropriate almost. It yeah, does, sort of it, like, doesn't I grew it up sound in the like New- climate change? No, I grew up in the Northeast and this does not feel right. It's harder to fathom it with California. I, yeah. I mean, and yeah. like Tahoe has seen, this is their snowiest season on record and deepest snowpack in 22 years. So they had 52 feet of snow to date. Which is insane. Wow. And Talk I think they're gearing up for their next. So at North Star, that's a great place for kids. Not hard to get to. If you're in it for just the pow and you want like deep stash, this is where you're going. I love it. Deep stash. We're getting the lingo down too. <laughs> Very good. That's All when right. I embarrass my children when I try to be cool and use language like that. Okay. Mark, surprise me <laughs> with one more. I would also I would also suggest that if you are feeling very, very adventurous, and this is a wonderful long haul trip, head to Oman. Oman. Okay. And the reason yeah. I would say to head to Oman is that as we said earlier, spring is when the the flowers bloom. Mm-hmm. It's this lovely moment of sort of the world reawakening, at least in the northern hemisphere. And Oman has huge numbers of roses, which are used both for the local rose water and in the perfume industry worldwide. And this is when you see them exploding into bloom. So you can go to somewhere in the Middle East, which I think it's easy to assume that the Middle East is just so arid all the time. And that is part of the allure, that sort of desert exoticism. But Oman this month will be a garden of roses. And that, to me, is one of those bucket list trips. Remember, I think it's also worth thinking about that in April, most of us are lucky enough to get a little bit back from Uncle Sam and our taxes. So yeah. if you're looking at a split... We also have an article mm-hmm. on what to spend your tax refund on for this so year. So please look that up, because yeah. the point is, this is when... That's free money. I know it's not really, but it is free money. So if you're feeling like an indulgence, spring, especially March, April, you've got a little extra cash. Maybe it's time to do the trip you kind of said, it's too expensive, I really shouldn't. That money, it, it's got to get spun somehow. It's mad money. It's ma- the, Yes, exactly. Mad money. You sound like my mother. Mad money. And that's brilliant. I love that. Because, again, it fits with the theme that we've that has emerged here. We didn't plan this, but you wouldn't have thought of this. This is something that's kind of like outside of the norm. But, again, you know, not a place you want to go in the height of summer. But this is pick the off-season. Pick the destination that maybe not everybody is thinking of. And, you know, you can actually experience something magical. We owe that to you, Nina. I think you set the tone. You set the tone of saying, "Look for somewhere (laughs) that no one else would think of." Yeah, but I think what you're saying about Oman is interesting too, because it's the off season, but not really if that's the time when, like, that's the time to see those roses and Mm -hmm. to see that explosion, right? So, like, honing in on these places that you wouldn't think of when it's the right time to do just that. 
it's the unknown uh, cherry blossom season in Japan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like there's roses season in Oman, and nobody knows about that. So well, they do now. Do that. That's what we're well, here for. Yeah. We want to help you guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if anyone has. I haven't been to Oman for rose season. I've I've read a lot about it and talked to some people uh, when we worked on this story. But I'd love to know if any listeners have been there for rose season. Is it as glorious as everyone has told me it is? I suspect it might be. But if anyone has been there for that, please let us know. Because we'd love to, if you've got pictures, tweet them at us. Just share them with us because we'd love to know. Because next year, I think, I won't be here for this podcast. I'll be in Oman for rose season. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you have secrets, if you have spring travel secrets, send them to us. We will retweet them. We will put them up on the site. We will get them out there to people. We would love to know what are your hidden treasures for spring travel, for getting away, wherever it is that you're coming from. Um, With that, let's wrap it up. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Visit us at cntraveler.com where you'll find coverage of this and you'll find the writing of all these fine people and many others about spring travel and many other things. We are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube, all one word. We are at CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And please do tweet at us. We've been getting feedback and input from listeners. It's really great. Let us know what we're missing, what we're not thinking of. We love that. We will get it back out to the audience. And give us uh, reviews on iTunes. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of, that kind of thing. And I would say, you know, we're not the only podcast to say this, but we want as many people as possible to hear this. And if you do review us on iTunes, hopefully you'll be nice. But the more reviews we get, especially on iTunes, which is so impactful, the more people are exposed to the podcast. And we'd love to get a bigger audience because we want more people kind of pitching in. So please, please, please. And we do read them. I feel like we have 20 to 30% fewer likes since the feedback about likes came in. So (laughs) we're we're paying attention to the likes. (laughs) Nina, where can people get in touch with you if they wish to do so? Uh, Best place is probably Instagram. I'm at Nina K. Han at the handle there or at Twitter. Same handle, Nina K. Han. Excellent. Francina? Um, I'm on Twitter, just Francina. Just you got Francina. A, you got in there early. I didn't yeah. realize that was your Twitter Oh, wait, no, handle. it's just Francina, like together. Like J-U-S-T, oh, Francina. Important clarification. I know. I'm trying to get Francina the handle by itself, but it's not happening. You have a you have a, an exotic enough name that you might just squeak in there. I don't, so my Twitter handle is Mark J. Elwood with a K and two L's. I wish I could get at Mark, but no. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Bradrick. Have a great weekend and happy spring traveling, everybody. 